Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 324 on Now You Know. This show does not happen without our amazing Patreon patrons. You can help support us bring you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know. We have lots and lots of different tiers over there so you can support for whatever you're comfortable with. And we try to make sure that every tier has a lot of awesome perks. So check that out. So, you know, with Tesla, they don't have a press department. So we often get new information and updates through... Elon's tweets. Yep, it's kind of the fun part of Tesla, right? We don't just wait around for press releases like we do with other companies. The Tesla community has to keep our eyes and ears open for little tidbits appearing in unexpected places. Case in point, well, a case. A case? A trial. You see, a Tesla shareholder, Richard Tornetta, is suing Tesla in Delaware, saying that Elon's 2018 $52 billion pay compensation package should be nullified because Elon controlled the Tesla board's consideration and failed to disclose critical information. Like what? Tornetta claims that Elon knew that Tesla was about to hit certain targets that controlled each tranche of his compensation package. What does this have to do with the headline for this story? 100 Tesla semi-trucks this year. Well, according to the Wall Street Journal, Robin Denholm, who's now Tesla's chair, testified remotely at the trial. And during her testimony where she denied the plaintiff's claims, she also said this. Tesla might produce 100 semi-trailer trucks this year, years behind schedule. Okay, so two stories here, a lawsuit over Elon's 12 tranche pay plan and that Tesla may be making more than two semi trucks for Pepsi by the end of this year. They may be making 100. But let me go back to the first one. Is Elon going to lose all of his pay? Well, the judge, Chancellor Kathleen McCormick, who also presided over Twitter's lawsuit of Elon, by the way, uh, will make her decision after the five day non-jury trial concludes, probably giving her verdict in a few months. Tesla executives all testified that the compensation plan was legitimate and they had other options to choose from. So my guess is that Tesla will prevail. But who knows? On the Tesla semi front, if Robin Denholm is correct, then who knows again? But maybe we'll be getting a Christmas present. Yeah, I mean, we're on the list for the semi truck. We are uh, not just first day reservation holders. We're first night reservation yeah. holders. The first time anyone ever saw the semi truck, we, uh, we ran up. over to that computer and I signed up. So we're signed up for the semi truck. Yeah. And they're going to deliver 100. I mean, I think I'm number 65, but I think I'll get bumped because like Walmart and Pepsi probably get theirs first. Well, that's not fair. It doesn't sound fair, but I don't know. Put your comments down below and we're going to have a Patreon poll on this. But I mean, this kind of makes sense. I mean, you wouldn't just deliver two trucks. Um, they're probably ramping up slowly. Maybe around 100 does sound feasible by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, Tesla's goal is to deliver 50,000 in 2024. So mm -hmm. yeah, this could be right. And another tidbit from the trial, though. Tesla board member James Murdoch was part of this trial. And in previous depositions months ago, he said that Elon had never spoken about a successor to take over as CEO of Tesla. But on the stand at the trial, Murdoch said that Elon had recently discussed a successor. 
We're going to talk more about this on our Patreon bonus stories, which you can check out by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know. All right, so Kelly Blue Book's latest brand watch survey just came out. And according to the survey, Tesla demand is dropping. The report says shopper interest in Tesla plummeted quarter over quarter. Tesla fell to sixth from fifth in the rankings of most shopped luxury brands with 12% of all luxury shoppers considering a Tesla, down three percentage points from Q2, and notably the largest quarter over quarter loss for any luxury brand. Shopping consideration for the Model 3 sedan declined by 10% from the second quarter, and the Tesla Model Y and Model S both fell off the top 10 most shopped luxury vehicle list for the first time in two years. Okay, all right, hang on. <laughs> According to the survey, it's a survey, the Model Model 3 is still the third most desired vehicle, and according to the survey, the Model 3 is also the number one vehicle in the luxury category. And I think that we're all forgetting one important key point. People are waiting for 2023 when Tesla will be eligible for the $7,500 federal EV incentive. Yeah. And I just want to point out, this has happened before. This is just a survey, comes out every month, and you survey different people and you get different results. It's not hard sales data. Tesla's dipped before and then come right back. And to your point, the $7,500 EV tax credit, smart people know that if they wait, they will get that credit. So, of course, in the last couple months of the year, they're not going to be buying the car. Because they're going like, okay, I could get it in November or December. Or I could wait till January and save $7,500 directly off the price of the car. I won't have to wait for my taxes to come in. It'll just be cheaper. Exactly. Hey, and if you want to help out this channel, hit the like button right now before you forget. It really helps us out. Really helps us out. Last week, Nueces County commissioners in Texas voted unanimously to continue discussions with Tesla about their proposed lithium refining facility. And they're going to move that to executive session. Ooh, that sounds fancy. What's executive session? So that's when a public government body meets without the public to discuss something sensitive like hiring or firing, or in this case, getting legal advice from their lawyers. And that body doesn't want the public to be present for that. Well, that doesn't sound very American. Government of the people, by the people, for the people, and all that. Well, government has to do business, and sometimes business has to be private for a while. Uh, The meeting minutes of those meetings are generally released after some amount of time, so the public can then see what was discussed and what was decided. Okay, so what's going on in Nueces County with Tesla, and where is that exactly? All right, so Tesla's looking to build a big lithium refining plant on a piece of property near Robstown, Texas, which is about 25 minutes outside of Corpus Christi. Here it is on the map. According to Tesla, this would be the first lithium hydroxide refining facility of its kind in North America. Tesla is looking for tax abatements right now from the county, basically incentives which should amount to about $60 million over the next 10 years. Now, this $365 million lithium plant would employ about 165 people when finished, and it's going to take about two years and need about 250 construction jobs to complete. Tesla says the final product, which is battery-grade lithium hydroxide, will be packaged and shipped by truck and rail to various Tesla battery manufacturing sites, supporting the necessary supply chain for large-scale and electric vehicle batteries. And remember what Elon called lithium refining in an earnings call a license to print money yep okay so stepping back tesla is going to be able to take raw lithium ore and refine it into battery grade lithium hydroxide which they get from the port in corpus christi and it's just you know a little bit down the road to Mm -hmm. this plant and then they're going to be able to ship it three hours north to giga texas Mm -hmm. to be put right into vehicle batteries yep and this plant should be coming online in 2024 2025 yep And this will be the first lithium refining plant in the U.S.? That's what Tesla said. Wow. I mean, this is big news in terms of vertical integration and battery supplies. I think you missed one 
little thing though, geographically speaking. You're right about going north to Giga Texas, mm -hmm. but you could also take that lithium from the plant and drive it four and a half hours south to Mexico. Oh. Take a look at this map. Oh, Nuevo Leon. Why does that sound familiar? Because we reported, remember how Elon just visited there recently and we conjectured it could be one of the next Gigafactory locations. And I just want to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act, which of course has the EV incentive. But part of that incentive only works if your cars are built in North America and if the battery supply comes from North America as well. I think this is why Elon didn't announce earlier where the next gigafactories will be because of the IRA. Mm. I think that if there was no IRA, the next factories might be in, let's say, Asia or Europe. But because of this, because you're just getting this huge government incentive, he might have decided to put another one here in North America wow. or a third one in Canada. Mm. <laughs> so many people out there in the world don't know about EV charging networks. And I get it. It's complicated. And until you drive an EV for a while, it usually just doesn't click. Basically, in a nutshell, there's the Tesla supercharging network. We talk about it every week on the show. It's amazing. They're everywhere and they work. If you drive a non-Tesla EV, then you're stuck using usually an inferior network. Now, what Tesla is doing in Europe with their supercharger network is really important to watch right now because it could be the precursor to how Tesla opens their supercharger network around the globe. The news last week is that Tesla opened 18 more superchargers, this time in Italy, to non-Tesla cars. So let's take a look at the map in Europe right now. This is not all of Tesla's superchargers. This is just the superchargers that both non-Teslas and Teslas can now charge at. So theoretically, if you had an EV with a long enough range that wasn't a Tesla, and we estimate that to be about 150 miles of range, you could road trip pretty much everywhere throughout Europe using only the opened supercharger network. Right. It looks like in the worst case, there's about 140 miles between superchargers, and that's hard for a lot of existing non-Tesla EVs if they don't have the range. Now, I do want to show the map of just all Tesla superchargers. Uh, there are a heck of a lot more right. in Europe that uh, non-Tesla EVs can't charge at. Right. And I think that it's really important to talk about this point, which is that Tesla is in control. Tesla right. can decide which chargers to open, which chargers to close. Um, I think that for a while, everyone sort of thought that the EU is going to say, Tesla, you have to open all of your superchargers. And Tesla's gone, well, we've made a pretty decent network for people who drive non-Teslas, but the network for Tesla drivers is much better. Yeah. And I mean, this data that Tesla's getting right now during this real world experiment is really important. It's telling them like, how much money are we making? How many cars are using it? How many of those are non-Teslas? And is it working? Are there too many lines at the superchargers? And the really nice part is that if there is one particular supercharger that's getting mobbed by uh, non-Teslas, they could either close it and say, get out of here, or they could open another one nearby exactly. um, to help spread the load. Exactly. So the CEO of Cruise tweeted out, Today, Cruise launched daytime driverless rides. Service is live for cruisers and will launch to the public soon. So I think this is actually big news because if we look at these maps here, so Cruise has been able to provide driverless rides in San Francisco. That's what you're seeing here, San Francisco, at night from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. They've been doing that now for months. And as you can see on the right, that's pretty much throughout most of the city. Our pushback before was that at night, the city's car and pedestrian traffic is a fraction of what it is during the day. And so it was easier for the cruise taxis to perform. On the left map here, you can see the area of the city where cruise will start offering rides during the day. Now, obviously, it's just a small area of the city, but cruise needs to acquire data and make sure that their robo taxis are safe. 
Okay, so how many cruise taxis are we talking about here? So Cruise currently has about 70 driverless taxis in San Francisco. They also operate another 230 taxis in Austin, Texas and Phoenix, Arizona. The rides during the day in that small western area of San Francisco and most of San Francisco at night are open to the public and cost $5 base fee plus 90 cents per mile plus 40 cents per minute. Not that cheap. Well, like, I don't know what I'm comparing it to. It's yeah, just, I mean, comment down below. It sounds expensive when you start adding stuff on top of each other. Yeah, I mean, the distances aren't that great, um, and it depends on traffic. But yeah, comment down below like what it would cost you to take an Uber you know, compared to that. Yeah. And hey, if you get to go for a driverless ride, share them with us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. 321,628 Model 3s built in 2023 and Model Ys built in 2020 through 2023 are involved in a recall. Tail lamps on one or both sides of the vehicle may intermittently illuminate due to a software bug that causes false fault detections during the wake up process. Oh no, that's a lot of cars. Well, actually, the bug only affects less than 1% of them. I mean, still, that sounds terrible. This is going to cost Tesla so much money to go through all those cars and fix them. No, 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 no. Don't worry. It's all solved. What? How? Over-the-air updates. The way so many Tesla recalls are solved. Oh, right. That thing that still so many car companies have yet to figure out. This has so frequently been a huge advantage that Tesla has. And I just want to talk about it for a second. I mean, imagine how much easier it is to write code that you're going to push to the cars, mm -hmm. knowing that you can fix bugs through over the air. It's got to be so much cheaper and faster. Yeah. I mean, imagine code reviews at other automakers who haven't solved OTA yet because they're like, okay, we got to bring the car in. We got to flash the RAM, the BIOS, and maybe it won't work. Everyone, are we, are we sure that this is going to work 100% of the time? Because we really don't want this no, I mean, to mess talk, up. Talk about speed of innovation. Yeah. If you have to be that careful, then you have to hold back features. Whereas mm -hmm. here, it's like, oh, yeah, I screwed up. I put a semicolon in line 27. <laughs> yes. I'll just fix it. Um, and we've seen this play out time and time again where Tesla has a recall um, and it's completely solved. Now, that doesn't mean that the news doesn't pick up on it and go, there was a Tesla recall 300 thousand vehicles were involved but at the end of the day it doesn't actually matter because the problem was solved in less than a month right you can look at the nitsa documents and it was like some users discovered problems and less than a month later they had the solution they were rolling out that update usually by the time nitsa even issues the recall it's fixed well and that kind of leads to this next story tesla has just rolled out version 1.2 of its safety score system okay what's changed so the app now shows a visualization of your trip as a timeline to show when specific events that impacted your safety score occurred so that's pretty cool mm -hmm. uh, they increased the grace period after autopilot disengages from three seconds to five seconds and can you explain that so i think that you know if you're in autopilot and then you are coming out of autopilot autopilot may have put you in a situation like a bad situation and so if you were to slam on the brakes or you know swerve it shouldn't ding your safety score because it was autopilot's fault right and it may take a few seconds to recover from that thing and so they're giving you more time to recover mm -hmm. uh, they updated hard braking and aggressive turning safety factors to count the number of events instead of the duration of the events so basically, if you have to hard break for 10 seconds, they're not going to be like, well, took you 10 whole seconds. They're just going to count that as one event. They also updated safety score to use the miles weighted average of the last 30 days of your safety scores, ignoring any miles driven on autopilot. So basically, if you hop on the highway and you go into autopilot, all those miles driven won't be counted. Mm -hmm. And they added a new safety factor called late night driving. So basically, the more time spent driving at night, will lead to a lower safety score. And what they say here is late night driving is defined as the number of seconds you spend driving at night between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. divided by the number of seconds you spend driving total in the day. 
and they've capped the late night driving at 29.3% of your total score. So wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Any time spent driving after 10, Tesla's going to ding me? I mean, what, Tesla's giving me a curfew now? Well, remember that Tesla safety score is just for Tesla insurance and approving people into the full self-driving beta program. So if I had Tesla insurance, mm -hmm. my rate would go up if I did a lot of driving at night? Well, I mean, your safety score would be lower. Which would increase my premium. I mean, I'm having some trouble with this because mm -hmm. I thought that safety score was supposed to keep track of how well I drove. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they're just going to start pulling actuarial tables out of their butt, mm -hmm. I mean, what's the point of driving on Tesla insurance? I mean, they may as well track my age and where I live and all of the other insurance company bullshit. But according to the National Safety Council, most fatal accidents occur between 4 p.m. and 11.59 p.m., with Friday, Saturday, and Sunday being the most frequent accident days. So then why let me drive a majority of those hours? Why not match up the time? I mean, also, do you know why there are more accidents at those times? It's because people are usually drunk. I'm not going to be drunk. Well, Tesla may not know if you're drunk. I mean, wouldn't I drive poorly if I were drunk? I mean, I think it would pick up using the metrics that it already has. Hmm, this guy sucks at driving. But also there are other drunk drivers on the road or you're more likely to be sleepy at night. But again, I thought that safety score was supposed to track how I drive. Well, no, I mean, it's an insurance tool. Okay, but what if I work night shift? Is my safety score going to be at a constant 70.7? .7? I just think that Tesla's getting lazy here. I think that they should focus on using real data that the car can collect, not charging me extra if I drive for a specific quarter of the day. Well, but it might not necessarily be increasing rates. What? Well, let's say that you previously had a 100% safety score and you paid $100 a month for insurance, let's say. And every point you went down, you paid an extra dollar. Okay. Well, if Tesla is tracking night driving now, wouldn't it stand to reason that they could lower your rate if you maintained 100%? I guess. That could mean that even if you lost a few points for night driving, you would still save money. Okay. And it could even be that if you got the 70.7 .7 score for driving only at night, that your rate could stay the same at $100. That seems unlikely. But, you know, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But I mean, whatever. No, it feels extremely lazy coming from Tesla. I think that most people would prefer to pay based on how they drive, not when they drive. And if they're going to go this far, why not change the premium based on the mileage that I drive per month? I mean, why doesn't it count how many cars are driving around me? If I drive near too many other cars, maybe it lowers my score because, well, they could hit me. And that would be great because then people up in Maine and Wyoming, they're going to get great scores. Well, except that Maine and Wyoming don't have Tesla insurance yet. No, right. <laughs> but Minnesota just got added and people in Minnesota never drive at night. So the list of states with Tesla insurance is now Minnesota, Arizona, California, Colorado, Illinois, Nevada, Ohio, Texas, Utah, and Virginia. Yeah, it's expanding. And I, I agree with you. This does seem a little lazy, but, um, you know, it's 1.2. They're gathering data. And um, I, I have a feeling Elon wasn't that involved in this. He's so busy with Twitter right now. So there's a new Google Maps update rolling out this week, and there are three features for EV users. First is the ability to filter by charging speed. So you can filter not just by like, all chargers, but like what you're looking for. Uh, Real-time information about the availability of charging ports. So kind of like in Tesla, you can see what's available. Mm -hmm. The next one is kilowatt rating of the charger. But isn't that just the same as filtering by charging speed? Mm-hmm. And then the ability to filter by plug type, J1772, CCS, Type 2, Jademo, and Tesla. Mm, great. Who cares? What do you mean, who cares? It's a great update. Yeah, sure, in a pinch. But I mean, this doesn't come with any route planning. I mean, a better route planner has Google Beat hands down. It's got all the features Google just added, um, along with route planning. Okay, so you're going to dump on Google because they don't support the show? 
No, it's just the truth. I mean, how has Google taken this long to make a valuable search function for charging stations? They're Google. And I'm sorry, I'm not usually looking for, oh, where's a charging station? I'm trying to get from point A to point B. I want something else to find point C, which is in the middle, which will get me to point B the fastest. I think you brought up a good point. Google, like all their products seemed really cool when they came out, like Gmail, right? And then they just sat there looking the same for, for like mm -hmm. a decade. Um, and this is true with Google Maps. It's really cool. I like it a lot. But some of the features are just so slow to to be turned out. And I think you're seeing this this week. I mean, we're hearing that Google is going to fire another 10,000 people. How can you have a company that fires 10,000 people? And you know what the average salary at Google is? No. $269,000 a year. That is 60% higher than Microsoft's average salary. So I think what's happened here, I think Google has been just a wonderful place to work. I'm not going to deny that. But I think it's attracted a bunch of people who are like, I get overpaid and I don't seem to have to produce much. We're talking about what was once one of the most innovative companies. And now with like any company, once you go grow too big and fat and happy, you just stop producing. You need to attract people who want to do something. Yeah. A lot of talk about the two new Tesla fatal crashes that NHTSA just published. I knew that Teslas that drive themselves weren't safe. Let's hop on the FUD bandwagon. Well, hang on there. Maybe we should take a closer look at the data and also get some more perspective. So in regards to the data, two fatal crashes involving Teslas, uh, one around September 2022 uh, with pretty much no release data. Um, pretty much all of it was redacted to protect privacy. The December 2021 crash. There we have a little more data. In fact, as we dug into it, we found this interesting little tidbit. The subject vehicle, which is a Model 3, the pre-crash speed was stopped at zero miles an hour. So how do you blame Tesla's ADAS or Advanced Driver Assistance System for an accident if the car isn't driving? And a little digging revealed that this accident was this accident in downtown Palm Springs, California on December 27th, 2021, involving five vehicles. Seven people were transported to the hospital and the Tesla driver died. And the cause of the accident was a drunk driver, which the police immediately put into custody. Now, do you think we want to be reporting on this tragedy? We don't. But the reason we have to is because the rest of the media won't give you the context. All they put in their headlines is NHTSA reports two fatal Tesla ADAS crashes. So this Model 3 was stopped and what appears to be a Dodge Ram van rammed into the back of it at high speed. A drunk driver appears to be involved, and it's all documented. It happened in a populated area with plenty of witnesses. So then why is it on NHTSA's report implicating that Tesla's full self-driving systems are dangerous and caused this accident? It didn't happen yesterday. It happened 11 months ago. We have plenty of time to put two and two together and realize this is not an example of any kind of safety issue relating to driving a Tesla. This is designed to mislead. How sad, how very sad that this is the state of our discourse now about technology. And you could argue, well, the Tesla should have been able to see that the car was coming and drive out of the way, except that it was at a stoplight with a car in front of it. Right. And here's the pictures. You can see that there's really nothing that could have been done. And instead of taking it off the list so we can study how the actual driving system works, this was left on the list, I guess, to confuse everybody. And the other thing here I want to point out is that Yes, there's two fatalities, but you have to put it in the context, the larger context of that there's lots of cars that had lots of accidents and you have to be able to realize that this happens every day. It's great that our government wants to pay attention to new systems coming online. But an example, a clear cut example like this, where I think 
you don't have to be like a federal investigator to be able to figure this one out is really sad that it's still on some list and and that the media isn't doing their job and and just going, well, this seems a little ridiculous. Neither is the government. I mean, we have our own senator here in Massachusetts, Ed Markey, who's going to use this kind of data. I'm sure he's going to hold it up at a committee hearing and be like, look, what is going on with these two Teslas killing people? It's just really sad. And I'm really upset at our government and at the media for not giving us the whole picture. But some good news. From now through October 2023, you can go see the Tesla exhibit at the Peterson Auto Museum. Yeah, I mean, you get all the cars, the power walls and chargers. Yeah, it's almost like being in a Tesla showroom. Well, I know, but like you also get the Cybertruck and the Roadsters and the space suits and like cars completely like ripped apart. So you get to see all the components. And I just I think it's really important to see all of that stuff in one place. Yeah. You know, Thanksgiving is coming up and this might be a fun trip to go on with the family. Bring your extended family too. Yeah. You could even trick them into going as well. What? Like take your uncle who's really into hypercars? I'm just saying you could take them to see the the cars of film and television and then oops, Tesla exhibit. I, I just think that that would be a great little trip. You get to point to everything and be like, this is what I've been telling you about. And this is what I've been telling you about. Instead of being like, let me show you a picture of what the Roadster looks like on my phone. Doesn't that look cool? I Really good point. They even have the Cybertruck. And so many people only have known the Cybertruck in pictures. Mm. Seeing it up close as we have, like, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. And speaking of Cybertrucks, every day we get closer to the arrival of Cybertruck. And if your family is tired of you talking about it, then head on over to our friends at the Cybertruck Owners Club. They sponsor this show. Their website is full of Cybertruck news, discussions, and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. And they have a crowdsourced reservation tracker so that way you could find out your place in line and then you can kind of just know roughly when you're going to get your truck. Thank you so much to Cybertruck Owners Club for supporting this show. Hyundai opened pre-orders of their latest EV, the Ionic 6, in Germany, UK, France, Norway, and the Netherlands on November 6th. See? Six and seven. It's marketing. Oh, Ionic 6, November 6th. Huh? Pretty good. And they sold out of the 2500 exclusive first edition within 24 hours. Those customers should be getting theirs in March or April of 2023. So the Ionic 6 is built on the same 800-volt eGIMP platform as the Ionic 5 and has a stated WLTP range, so not real world, of 379 miles or 610 kilometers with its 77.4 kilowatt hour battery. Hyundai says the Ionic 6 will be one of the most efficient EVs on the market, sipping just 14 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers or 225 watt hours per mile. To put that in perspective, the Tesla Model 3 uses about 220 watt hours per mile. So can I just stop here and say that all this stuff, uh, all these numbers took me years before I really wrapped my head around them. Um, We're all so used to MPG or miles per gallon here in the US. So if you take watt hours per mile and you divide it into one kilowatt hour, I know that seems complicated, but it then tells you something similar to MPG. How far can I get on one kilowatt hour of electricity, kind of like one kilowatt hour is equal to one gallon in that mm-hmm. sense of how we think about it. So one kilowatt hour divided by 220 watt hours per mile equals 4.5 miles per kilowatt hour. That way I can compare different EVs. And yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of different ways to do it. One of the big reasons why you do watt hours per mile is that you get a, a bigger number. And so when you get down into the nitty gritties of it, you get more, you know, you don't have to go 0.05. Um, you can just 
be right, really but it, specific. But I think people care about money or miles. They don't really care about watt hours because doesn't you don't no one knows that is. And you don't really pay by the watt hour. You pay by the kilowatt hour. Right. That would be like if we were like, well, how many miles per fluid ounce do I get? <laughs> right. I, I mean, I get it. I think that it's it's too bad how impenetrable. It can kind of be. Well, it also sucks because some places talk about miles and gallons and some places talk about liters and kilometers. And so, like, we, it's hard to talk to each other. But using your method, Zach, you can see how much you spend to power your car in kind of a way that you may be used to. Right. So let's say here in Massachusetts, 4.5 miles on one kilowatt hour equals about 24 cents. So, for instance, the average new ICE car has an MPG of 24.2 miles per gallon of gas. And the average gas price here in Massachusetts is $3.82 a gallon. So if I drove, let's say, 200 miles, I would burn 8.2 gallons of gasoline and it would cost me $31.57. Oh, and by the way, I'd be putting 72.8 kilograms of CO2 into the atmosphere. Whereas if I drove that distance in a Model 3 or even an Ionic 6, I would use 44.4 kilowatt hours of electricity and it would cost me about $10.88 or one third the cost. And if I charged it home using my solar panels, uh, it could be free and I wouldn't be emitting any greenhouse gases. But we digress. So let's go back to the Ionic 6. Um, really good for Hyundai, focusing on efficiency. Also, the Ionic 6 earned a five-star safety Euro NCAP rating along with the Ionic 5. It is among some of the safest cars in Europe. So the Ionic 5 also has 3% EV market share so far in the U.S. this year. It's in fourth place behind Tesla, Ford, and GM. Do you think that this quick sellout of the Ionic 6 means that that will be like a big hit for them? Again, the 2,500 cars is just that's not enough because you're always going to have a lot of fans for a particular car. Um, so I don't think that that is a good indicator. But I do think that uh, Hyundai has been doing a pretty good job at coming out with fairly decent EVs mm -hmm. um, in terms of range and specs and price. It was weird at first when I was like, why are they opening sales in Europe? But then I remembered the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, doesn't give them any EV incentive here. So I'm thinking they might have shifted their strategy over to Europe. Yeah. And I think that unfortunately, the Inflation Reduction Act is going to really ding Hyundai because a lot of these EVs are being made in South Korea. Mm -hmm. And so when they bring them here, they do not get the uh, EV incentive. All right, now to Lucid, which just started customer deliveries of the final two versions of the Lucid Air, the Air Touring and the Air Pure. And they just unveiled pictures of their latest model, their all electric SUV, the Lucid Gravity. And they, they seem, seem to do, do the, the photo, photo shoot, shoot on, on the moon. moon. Amazing. <laughs> Lucid says the Gravity will land in 2024, and they claim it will have more range than any other EV on the market. Any other SUV EV? No, Lucid claims it'll have more range than any other EV of any kind. Lucid's CEO and CTO, Peter Rawlinson, said, Gravity builds upon everything we have achieved thus far, driving further advancements of our in-house technology to create a luxury performance SUV like none other. Just as Lucid Air redefined the sedan category, so too will Gravity impact the world of luxury SUVs, setting new benchmarks across the board. So Lucid says they will share more details and open the gravity up for pre-orders in early 2023 and start deliveries in the U.S. and Canada in 2024. So I think that honestly having the, the most range of any EV, I mean, that's going to put it at like over 400 miles. I mean, Lucid already has a 500 mile sedan, so they'd have to beat themselves. Which is a good thing, honestly. And, and you might be saying, Jesse, this is a ridiculous car. And it is. 
It's ridiculous. Here's the good news. They're not going to make that many of them and they're going to be really expensive. But here's the thing. When people go, you know, I'm not going to ever buy an EV. They don't have enough range. You can be like, oh, you didn't hear? Uh, Lucid has an SUV that has a range of like 600 miles. And then, and then, and then what are they going to say? Oh, well, I wanted a thousand. You go, well, that's too bad. Buddy. I think we've debunked this a long time ago. I think 300 miles is the number. If you have a car with 300 miles of range, you don't need more than that. As long as you have decent fast Exactly. Yeah. All right. Here's another just unveiled all electric SUV, the Draco Dragon. Those gull wing doors? They are. <laughs> Why does Draco sound familiar? Are you thinking of this, Draco? Potter. Uh, so Draco is a San Jose, California-based company founded by Dean Draco. Draco previously unveiled the Draco GTE back in 2019. It was a quad motor EV built on the Fisker Karma chassis, and it cost a million dollars. Okay, so what are the specs on the Dragon? Well, it still has a quad motor. It's 2,000 horsepower. Whoa, 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 whoa. 2,000 horsepower? <laughs> yeah, that's what they claim. Okay. Uh, zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds, because, again, you can't get faster than that. Tires don't make it possible. Velcro wheels. The dude. only way to go faster is thrusters. Or go on another planet. Right. But, but what, with more gravity? Yeah. Okay. Nine second quarter mile, top speed of over 200 miles an hour, range of 420 miles, 500 kilowatts of fast charging, full carbon fiber structure, base price of $290,000. Draco aims to ramp production to 5,000 units per year, and they hope to get things started by producing 99 limited edition units with a $5,000 deposit. You can also put down $500 for the regular version if you're just, you know, don't have the money. Draco says they'll start production in the U.S. with deliveries beginning in 2026. Okay, so I want to talk about 500 kilowatts of fast charging. Well, you know, they want to be future proof, you know. I don't even think that they have the tech for that. I'm sure they, they don't. I mean. I am sure they don't. Whoa. Okay. I mean, do you know what you have to do to keep a battery cool if you're pumping that much energy into it? And then <laughs> do you even care that you're probably frying it? Like, uh, no, you're just buying. I mean, if you're willing to spend $290,000. You just toss the battery. price. Right. It's like, yeah, well, the battery is. That's a. Uh, <laughs> I, the battery is a wear part. I, I want to talk about the looks. I expected for this kind of money that I would be like drooling over it. And I just found myself going like. What? So I love how the interior is basically just a Model 3. Maybe. Yeah. It may, does it have a binnacle? Maybe. I don't know. So $290,000 base price. Like, that's a lot of money. It's, I just don't see. Again, it's great. It's great. Let the rich people do the advertising for the electric car industry. Is this thing even? I mean, but growing doors with that. Do you see that strut right there to keep it open? Like, that's just embarrassing. If you're going to spend that kind of money, you want the door to not have a strut. I hear you. It's not a car for you. It's not a car for most of the people watching this. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried. I'm, I'm just, just saying this is great. It's going to pull up somewhere. They're going to open the gullwing doors. People aren't going to pay attention to the strut. They're going to go, whoa, what is that? And the guy's going to go, it's electric. You're going to have to be careful opening the gullwing door because you need like eight feet of space to exactly. do it. Exactly. It's just, listen, listen, listen. It's just going to sit in someone's garage. Why would you, so, why would you, you not? so upset about that be, for? I'm just because why would you not buy a Model X Plaid? Like, <laughs> whatever, 2,000 horsepower. Uh, during a recent conference in Detroit, Ford CEO Jim Farley said, we want to be number one. Ford is currently in the number two EV spot. Farley says that Ford is going back to our Model A. I don't know. That's, that's an old car there. It might work. I don't know. Uh, basically, he's signaling that he wants Ford to start vertically integrating like they did uh, 100 years ago before they began outsourcing everything. 
I wonder where they got that idea. <laughs> Farley says uh, that producing EVs requires 40% less labor than ICE vehicles. Now, I always knew that EVs were simpler in terms of their moving parts and their components. But this is the first time I think that we've heard a hard number from a manufacturer. I mean, 40% less labor. This would also explain why Ford announced that it would be laying off 3,000 workers earlier this year. Ford says it has the supplies to make 600,000 EVs by the end of next year. Now, if I were Ford, I'd focus more on the e-transit van and dominate that market for good. Uh, we'll be talking more about the e-transit on Patreon bonus stories. Now, Ford plans to achieve a run rate of 2 million EVs by 2026. Again, doing the math, I don't see how that moves Ford out of the number two position. Right, because Tesla is at a run rate of over 2 million vehicles now, and those are all EVs, um, by 2026, I think that Tesla should be producing millions more than Ford. But back to Farley's plan to become more vertically integrated. To that point, Ford announced that they will be partnering with Rockwell Automation. That is ticker symbol ROK on the New York Stock Exchange. It's headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They will work as Ford's vehicles operations primary controls and solutions provider for Ford's next three assembly lines. That includes Ford's Blue Oval City, Tennessee battery and manufacturing campus that costs $5.6 billion. Rockwell says that it can help Ford improve quality, reduce their costs, increase responsiveness, and improve time to market throughout their supply chain. Now, I think it's great that Ford is bringing in basically robots, but I just want to talk about this point. Ford wants to be more vertically integrated by hiring a third party to come in and figure out all the robots. <laughs> all right, everyone, we want to be more vertically integrated. How are we going to do that? Oh, oh. Oh, oh, I know this one. I know we're going to we'll hire someone else to do that for us. No, I don't think I don't think you understood what I what I said there, Jenkins. I said we want to be vertically integrated. Yes, Jenkins, we could hire someone else to to do that for us. Right. That's what we do. Right. That's Ford for you. That's Ford. And speaking of clueless American car companies, GM's CFO, Paul Jacobson, just announced at their annual investor day in New York City that GM won't be profitable on EVs until 2025. And if they're saying 2025. Yeah, come on, GM. That's a number being pulled out of your butt. How much do you want to bet that they still won't have positive margins on their EVs by then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we read between the lines here on this quote, the GM is on track for its EVs to be solidly profitable in 2025 in North America. It assumes that GM reaches a production capacity of a million EVs a year by then. Right. And we don't know how much they're losing on their current EV lineup because Jacobson declined to provide the profitability numbers for GM's current EV offerings. You mean uh, the Chevy Bolt? Well, hey, now you're forgetting about the Bolt EUV and the Buick Velite 7. The Velite 7? That looks like a Bolt. And also, why haven't I seen one of those before? Well, they're only being sold in China, <laughs> along with the Baozhan E100, which is also only available in China. What's the Baozhan E100? What does that have to do with GM? That's a GM car. The Baozhan. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Look, this is our basic premise for why so many big auto companies are going to fail. Number one, they got into EVs too late. It's They're too late, right? Uh, number two, they aren't profitable now. Number three, it will take them years to become profitable. Number four, all the while, Tesla will be outselling them. And number five, Tesla will be grabbing up most of the valuable resources, including the best engineers and the battery supplies. Oh, not to mention number six, 
Tesla will crack autonomous driving first. And number seven, Tesla will achieve humanoid robot labor first. Yep. Jim got caught in a bear trap out in the woods. And they waited too long to chew off their leg and escape. Yeah. GM sat there for years, bleeding to death, thinking that somehow they would be rescued or be able to open the trap and escape. That they thought, oh, well, EVs, they're just not going to become a thing. Yeah. And the thing is, you can't escape the march. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Technology, you have to embrace it. And that's why they're all going to fail. But Zach, all of the horseshoe companies didn't fail. I think there's probably one that's still in business. Now, I think that we've made it pretty clear how we feel about Volkswagen's new CEO, Oliver Bloom. We were fans of Herbert Deese because we feel like he gets EVs. But Bloom is, to us, just a company man. And I think Bloom's recent decisions are going to prove our point. For one thing, Bloom wrote off VW's $1.9 billion investment in Argo, the autonomous driving startup. I mean, who needs autonomous cars anyway? Yeah. Now it looks like Bloom has decided that VW doesn't need the previously announced $2.2 billion manufacturing facility that they were planning to build to make the upcoming Trinity EV. So I guess the Trinity won't be coming out in 2026 like VW announced? Yeah, it looks like more like the end of the decade by now. Um, but I'm sure that people will wait. And look, this is why we don't report on every press release that a company makes. We're going to build this and, and that by 2024 and like battery plants and EVs. And... and look, I get it. Bloom is paring back spending. On paper, it might even look smart, saving $4 billion. But get this, VW delivered 366,400 BEVs between Q1 and Q3 of this year. Tesla, on the other hand, delivered 343,800 EVs in just Q3 alone. Yeah, 3x. And look, when, when everyone was saying like, oh, VW is going to do it. And I was like, oh, wow, this, this D sky is great. I still, in the back of my mind, went, VW is not going to be able to do this. No, and because they went backwards. I really hate to say it, told you so, but I I mean, look, the, the, I remember when the story was this $2.2 billion manufacturing facility. It's going to be great. VW is putting the investment in. Okay, not anymore. You switch the you switch the management. And that's why these stories where they're like, we're going to build a factory doesn't mean anything. Okay, I know. I know. It's a hybrid. <sighs> I actually didn't even want to run this story, but it is the Toyota Prius. It is or was the car that for many people was their first attempt at doing something better for our environment. Toyota made the Prius Prime a plug-in hybrid 10 years ago, back in 2012. And now Toyota has just unveiled the fifth generation of the Prius. It's still a plug-in hybrid, but now instead of 25 miles of electric range before the gas engine kicks in, it has a bigger battery, 13.6 kilowatt hours for 36 miles of electric only range. 
So in my mind, this new version is kind of approaching the Chevy Volt's range numbers, and it could be considered a viable solution for people who have very short commutes or use it just as an around town car most of the time. Ugh, I, ugh, I can't believe I just said that out loud. Look, what makes me mad is that Toyota could have put a bigger battery in there with a bigger range, say 25 kilowatt hours for about 70 miles of electric range and really made it so that most of the driving would have been electric. But 36 miles is still a joke. And this is simply Toyota doubling down on their electrified by 2035 plan, which is just laughable. Yeah. And and look, uh, can we just talk about getting 36 miles off of 13.6 kilowatt hours? That means that the efficiency of the Prius Prime is about uh, 2.6 miles per kilowatt hour. And just for some context, Model 3 is uh, over four. Right, because you're carrying around all the gas tank and the gas engine and the exhaust system and all the stuff that you don't need. Still doesn't make any sense to me why it is that inefficient. It should be all. That's why when people when the hybrid people talk to me, they goes, Jack and Jesse, hybrids are lighter. That means that they get to be more efficient. This is bullshit. Yeah. Right there. There you go. You get to see it right there, folks. Yep. And also, why did Toyota put all of this time and effort into making the Prius look so cool when it just is like not much better than right. it originally was? But look, don't worry, Jesse. Toyota just unveiled a BEV at the LA Auto Show. The LA Auto Show. <laughs> Remember when we went? Yeah, I do. That was awful. Uh, let me guess. Is it Was it a concept car? Well, yes. Uh, the BZ compact SUV concept is a concept car, but Toyota says, the aerodynamic form of the concept enhances its futuristic look by pushing the wheels to the corners to achieve an aggressive stance, making it appear as if it's moving even when it's standing still. The short overhangs and sweep back angles make it stand out as an advanced technology vehicle. A narrowed down cabin design gives it an agile appearance for a low coefficient of drag. Oh my God, I'm so sick of concepts. What, you don't like edgy styling? No, I just want Toyota to start making electric cars. They are. They've sold 232 EVs ever. 232. Since May, in that exact same period when when Toyota was producing cars, Tesla produced 598,000 EVs. Okay? (laughs) I am so sick of Toyota. Okay? They are gone. Yeah. They are gone. No, Can that's, we the big, just... that's the big takeaway. Look, look, Prius owners, you did a good job. You got to switch now to brands that actually give a <laughs> And look, if you want to share this clip with your friends, but you don't want to share an entire episode, head on over to our Now You Know Clips channel. It's a different YouTube channel, but you, there you're going to find our little bite-sized two-minute or so news clips. They're easy to share on social media. It's like, it's like, like diet now you know. Like Twitter. <laughs> All right, it's time for Into the Future, and it's sponsored by our friends over at Henson Shaving. Jesse uses this to shave exclusively. Yes, I use it every week. I used it this morning. And now you're happy about shaving. Before, you used to hate shaving. I used to have to plan when I would shave, so that way I would shave the day before the show, my face would go, and then (laughs) the next day I would come in and it would be a little bit better. (laughs) Now I shave literally five minutes before the show. Mm -hmm. It's like what I do right before the show happens as I shave, and it, my face is absolutely fine. Uh, they did such a good job engineering this piece of technology. You can get 100 blades for free if you use the code now you know at checkout. Uh, make sure to add the blades to your cart. Escape into the future.
NASA announced last week that they've awarded SpaceX $1.15 billion for a second Artemis mission moon landing. Okay, wait, I'm confused. NASA already awarded SpaceX with the contract to land on the moon with Starship. That's called the Artemis 3 mission. Yes, that is correct. Now NASA is giving SpaceX the option for a second crewed mission to the moon's surface in 2027. Okay, I'm, I'm still confused. Okay, so to recap, NASA just launched Artemis 1. Um, this was awarded to SLS. Remember that it was delayed over and over again. Um, that was an unmanned mission to orbit the moon. That's continuing as we speak. The Orion capsule arrived at the moon and started orbiting yesterday. The Artemis II mission was also awarded to SLS. This will be a crewed mission in May of 2024 using the Orion capsule to fly around the moon and come back to Earth. Artemis III was awarded to SLS and SpaceX and will be a crewed mission to the surface of the moon in 2025. Okay, so basically NASA has awarded SpaceX what has been called option B, another $1.15 billion as part of the Artemis IV mission, which should take place in 2027. Right. This will be the second crewed landing on the lunar surface aboard Starship. The plan is to develop a spacecraft that can not only bring people and cargo to the moon's surface to build a lunar base, um, but would also build Gateway, a small human crewed space station that will orbit the moon, kind of like the International Space Station that orbits the Earth. I guess the sad part for me is that this is so exciting. I mean, I was just watching Orion going around the moon, and yet I'll bet the majority of people on this planet have no idea it's going on. Smart people that I talk to every week still have no idea what we've already accomplished, like the Inspiration4 mission, the Artemis1 mission, and what's coming up in just the next few years. And how sad is it that when we landed on the moon, that was one of the most watched things in the history of It, it brought television. the world together. I hope that it will happen again. I think that the problem is when you have a <laughs> launch vehicle that's been delayed for years and then months, uh, you, you're just not that excited. And then, oh, I guess it launched when I wasn't expecting it mm -hmm. and, and there wasn't anyone on it. And it's all just orbiting the moon. It's like it's in space, like everything else is in space. No, I, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think when you see this, a starship on the moon and then people getting out of it and I just think and it's building gonna... a base on the moon. Yes. Mm. And That's fun. And hotels on the moon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Comment below when you think we're going to have our first lunar hotel. Yeah. I can't wait to slam dunk on the moon. I don't even think like 2038 or something. 2038? I don't know. For a hotel, it takes a while to build a hotel, doesn't it? Got to bring all the cement blocks <sighs> know, up. But you don't have to bring a crane. Oh, well, that's true. You just, <laughs> just throw stuff. Whoa. All right, it's time for Going Green, and we're brought to you by EcoWare. Next week is Cyber Monday. We are going to be doing something very special here at EcoWare. We're going to be putting up a secret free item on the store for you to find. And what, what, are, what are you doing? I'm looking for the secret item. I know we're doing the show. But it's free. <laughs> it's a secret free item? Yeah. And where remember- is it? I'm not going to tell you where it is. You have to find it. So we plant multiple trees for every order. We help cap methane spewing abandoned oil wells with the Well Done Foundation, making your purchase carbon negative. So start positive conversations Wait, today. Wait, we have, hang on. We have, we have bathrobes? Yeah. And slippers? Yeah. All great things for like holiday gifts. But you still haven't found the free item. No. Keep going. But there is a lot of good stuff. So start positive conversations today with carbon negative products at EcoWare and get all of your holiday shopping done. Do it. Do it soon. We got puzzles? Yeah. So Redwood Materials, that's the Nevada-based battery recycling company founded by former Tesla co-founder J.B. Straubel, has just announced that it will be supplying high nickel cathode material to Panasonic's new upcoming battery plant in Kansas, which can produce 30 gigawatt hours per year. 
Redwood is planning on producing a lot of cathode and anode material, 100 gigawatt hours worth by 2025. Okay. So when is Panasonic's battery plant coming online? 2025. And how many EVs can you build with Redwood's 100 gigawatt hours worth of battery material? Um, okay, so 75 kilowatt hours per car, let's say, divide that in. And that's about 1.3 million EVs if we assume that battery size. So is Redwood going to have 1.3 million EV batteries to recycle by 2025? That's a good question. I was thinking about that. There are currently about 3.2 million Teslas on the roads worldwide. And their first cars were made back in 2008. But a majority, a vast majority, have been built pretty recently. Right. And I mean, obviously, there are other brands like Leafs and Bolts um, that will have been around for kind of a while. But like your 2013 Leaf is still doing pretty well. It's only had one battery module replaced in nine years. And our 2016 Model X is doing well. And to be honest, even when Sparky's battery range gets below, say, 80% of its original range, it's still going to have a great battery pack for other stationary uses. So I don't know if I'd even want to recycle it. So to your question, will there be enough EVs for Redwood to recycle in 2025? I kind of doubt it, actually. Because, I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is that early Leafs had really small battery packs. Right. And, I mean, similar with the Bolt. I mean, it would take about three Leaf batteries to equal a Tesla battery. So, I mean, maybe Redwood will also be using recycled batteries from other things like electronics and cell phones and electric toothbrushes and stuff. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, comment down below and let us know your thoughts. Maybe they're just going to go start stealing Teslas. And well, but here's the thing. You know, I'm even thinking about like a Tesla. Even, let's say my battery went down to 50 percent state of charge. Like it started at 257. Let's say it went to 125 miles, miles of range. Okay. It's still not worthless. I mean, a Model X with 125 miles of range is still a cool car. So uh, you still may not. Like, I might sell it, but in the used market, it would still probably have a lot of value. That's so, true, because, I mean, you can still buy new EVs with ranges around that. Right. So, I mean, it's not even like you'd throw it away like you would an old ice car that doesn't work at all because right. the starter stopped working or the, you know, exhaust system rusted. I mean, maybe there's going to be something that fails on it, but, yeah, it just doesn't feel like it. And then when that battery reaches, let's say, 50 percent, it's still you can put it into a container and use it for grid storage. Right. I don't, know. I don't know. All right, it's time for Sunspots. So we recently spoke with Veolia. It's a company that recycles wind turbine blades. That interview should be coming up shortly on our Disruptive Investing channel. Don't forget about that channel. We learned that turbine blades are hard to recycle. Yeah, they're usually made of layers of different materials, fiberglass and resins. And even though it's great that Veolia is able to recycle them, they're mainly recycled into silica for cement. But what if you could make wind turbine blades out of wood? Didn't we talk to a company that's doing that? I think you're thinking of Modvion. Um, it's a company we spoke with. It's that Swedish company that's making wooden wind turbine towers, which is great. But I'm talking about a German startup. This is Vudin Blade Technology. So Vudin is in stealth mode, and they have partnered with Finnish company Stora Enso, one of the largest private forest owners in the world, to make sustainable blades. So Vudin uses a wood technology that many home builders are actually familiar with. It's called LVL, or laminated veneer lumber. It's basically gluing up wood sheets together like plywood to create really strong but lightweight things like beams, or in this case, wind turbine blades. Aren't many blades already made out of light woods like balsa yeah um and so i want to learn more about it myself so i have our producer reaching out to vudin and uh, i the thing is i want to thank our subscribers specifically right now please hit the subscribe button the reason why companies will talk to us when we reach out to them is because of that subscriber number i know it's sad but like if if we're a youtube channel without many subscribers they're just going to go it's not worth our time well, it's not that sad because you're actually showing interest right and so they know that you are going no, to be interested in what they have to say right 
Yeah. And so thank you, subscribers. If you haven't before, hit that subscribe button and hit the bell button so you'll be notified when our new episodes come out. And if you'd like to become your own small energy provider, talk to our friends at Energy Pal. They are the solar and battery experts that help homeowners go solar for less. Take more control of your energy, guarantee the price and power and storage costs for 20 years, and do it all online on your schedule. And the thing is, there's so many tax benefits now that probably you haven't kept up with. They know about all of them. It's free. It's easy. Call them up today. All right, it's time for a video contributor story. What do we got this week? Let's go to our buddy Kevin at the 2022 National Drive Electric Week in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi there, I'm Jeff Hoffman, and uh, this is my DeLorean. Bought it a few years ago, and it came with a kind of a weak uh, gasoline engine, so I took it out, did some re restoring of the car, and uh, put in an electric drive system. Um, the, uh, used to put the gas in right here, and now we've got a J1772 inlet. Uh, the rest of the front trunk looks as it did before. I would change the interior just a little bit. Uh, if you want to take a video of the right side of the, the console there, you can see that there is a state of charge gauge instead of a fuel gauge. And instead of a shifter, there's just a little dial to put it into drive or reverse. I do. Other than that, it's pretty, pretty stock in the inside. So you did this uh, conversion yourself? I did, yeah. Yep. Probably about a total of three times. It's a lot of learning. Oh, didn't really know what I was doing when I started out. So this is where things changed up quite a bit. Uh, originally there was an engine that you know, took up the space up to here and there's all these nasty, dirty things uh, pushing uh, oil and, and gasoline. And now we have just a uh, electric motor. That's a test, that's a drive unit from a Tesla Model 3. And so this is the inverter, that's the motor, and then in front of that is the uh, differential. Uh, this right here is an enclosure with all the uh, terminations and the battery management system. This is a charger, and this is a DC-DC converter. The voltage of this battery pack is about a little under 400 volts, so this takes it down to 12 volts. And the main battery pack is underneath the back, this box right here. There's a couple more in the front where the fuel tank used to be. And the, well, I mean, other than not stinking and burning gas and things like that, it's a lot faster than it used to be, which is a lot of fun. What was your overall cost of conversion? Well, I, I don't want to put my time in that cost factor because it's a lot of hours in the learning process, but uh, the batteries uh, were probably uh, less than 10,000 and the drive unit was about five. So total cost of all the electric parts, maybe about 20. 20. Okay. Well, thank you very much for giving me a tour of your electrified uh, DeLorean motor car. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin, for interviewing Jeff about his 1984 DeLorean conversion. Wow. Reminds me of our 1975 MG conversion <laughs> that we're going to be putting together in some episodes for you soon. All right. It's time for our Patreon bonus stories. And uh, this week, we've got a couple of interesting Investor Club bonus stories and a bunch of Patreon bonus stories you're not going to want to miss. We make all of this content exclusively for our Patreon patrons, because without them, this show would simply not be possible. Yeah, head on over to patreon.com slash now you know and support us for as little as a buck a month. You get to watch all these Patreon bonus stories made just for you, and you get to feel good knowing that you keep the lights on around here. All 
right, we're back from our Patreon bonus stories. It's time for the shout outs. These are the folks that get in the end credits and they help us do our job. I want to thank Spencer Wise, Josu Rojas, Steve Parks, Greg W. Shooter, and Fred Hopkins. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. Now, did we have a poll this week on we Patreon? We did have a poll and it's, do you think that Zach and Jesse will get their Tesla semi truck this year? They're usually right. So I hope they said yes. They said no. Oh, damn it. <laughs> They said no by a vast majority of them. Um, They think that Walmart, Pepsi, and Anheuser-Busch are going to steal our place in line. They're usually right. I hope you're wrong. All right, but it's just this year. It's just this year. We could get it early next year. That's true. All right, so it's not a Christmas present most likely. All right, that's good. It wouldn't have fit in the stocking anyway. All right, it's time for Elon's Tweets of the Week. We got a lot, so buckle up. Ed Markey, our wonderful senator here from Massachusetts, said a Washington Post reporter was able to create a verified account impersonating me. I'm asking for answers from Elon Musk, who is putting profits over people in his debt over stopping disinformation. Twitter must explain how this happened and how to prevent it from happening again. Elon says, perhaps it's because your real account sounds like a parody. People for Bernie said, probably not a great idea to troll a high-ranking senator with a history of taking down rich people who just so happens to sit on multiple committees which regulate your businesses the day after his party retakes the chamber. And Elon says, are you suggesting the senator will abuse his political power to attack me? Trung Fan says, word count, New York Times' puff piece on SBF. And uh, nothing about fraud or criminal stuff. But he is getting sleep. That's nice. And then Elon says, why the puff piece, New York Times? Eric Fraunhofer said, I have spent six years working on Twitter for Android and can say this is wrong. And this is about Elon saying that they had over a thousand poorly batched RPCs just to render a home timeline. And then Elon says, then please correct me. What's the right number? Dr. Arpuv Kochar says Elon Musk just exposed that Twitter was paying $400 per employee for daily food services. Geez, I wonder why they were losing money. And uh, Eric again. 100% 100% worth it. The food was great. Really like the ghost pepper mayo. Elon said, true, the food is great. The fact that you don't realize that there are up to 1,200 microservices being called when someone uses the Twitter app is not great. And then he went on to fire Eric. Um, and a lot of people were like, he's a hypocrite. That's not free speech. Uh, I'm just, Free speech doesn't mean you can't get fired for saying it. Uh, especially, I mean, I just, in a public setting, how many times have you called out your boss? Not a good idea. I'm just saying that's but especially if you're not right. He he wasn't arrested. No. Nope. And that's what free speech. But also is. he was wrong. <laughs> yeah. It also you it doesn't matter who's right and wrong when we're talking about free speech and we're talking about people making actual decisions. Again, nobody was arrested. Nobody went to jail. Paul Jamil says, when is Twitter blue coming back? Elon says probably end of next week. Phil Back said the most remarkable two paragraphs ever written in human history. And this is about SBF and that this reporter thought that he was just the most amazing founder he'd ever heard of. What and, is SBF? Uh, the guy that uh, did all the FTX. Bullshit. Oh, the, the fraud. Yeah. The fraud. And Elon said that his reaction to SBF was different. In fact, <laughs> if you go back in the timeline, uh, Elon said at the time that he thought it was 100 percent bullshit. Wow. So, yeah. Chris Bach says, Sam's still scheduled to speak at their big conference in two weeks. And that's the New York Times conference. Yeah, don't want to take <laughs> well, him off the that's list. That's why there's a puff piece. Yeah. Chris Bergen said, static fire. Booster 7 fires up a record amount of Raptor engines. Wow. Hopefully Elon will let us know how many and if it looked good. Elon says, test went well. Super. How many repeat incremental increase number of engines static fire tests do you predict until the full set of 33 if it all goes to plan? Elon says next test is roughly 20 seconds firing with max oxygen fill to test autogenous pressurization. Possibly one more static fire than orbital launch attempt. 
orbital launch attempt. Orbital launch Dude, attempt. I mean, we're months away, less I than know. that. Elon tweeted out that Twitter is all the news by the people for the people. WL Lop says, go Elden Ring. Game of the year, please. Elon says, definitely. Did you manage to finish it? I'm ashamed to say I rage quitted halfway. Which rage quitted? That's where you quit because you're so upset. Oh, and Elon said, yes, although it seems almost impossible at times, Millennia Battle was next level intense. Jack Dorsey said, nobody knows anything. And Elon says, Magic 8-Ball knows all. Hmm. Doesn't mean anything, I don't think. So Adam Cochran tweeted 82 tweets. And Shibatoshi Nakamoto said, this thread is short. And Elon says, ability to do long tweets coming soon. That's a good idea. Yes. Amit says, Elon, can you fix the fact that people feel the need to write 82 tweet long threads? Reading and writing long form content on Twitter is redonkulous. Elon says, literally working on that tonight. Oh, OK. Well, I that makes my job easier because instead of having to copy and paste freaking 20, 30, 82 different tweets, we can just put it all in one place. Almost like a document. Almost like a document or hmm. like a, a book. Was <laughs> oh, that what those are? <laughs> oh, Elon said, coverage of FTX Meltdown is incomparably faster and better quality on Twitter than old school media, not to mention the sick memes. SBF is ineffective altruism, but they thought he was saying he was ineffective altruism. Easy misunderstanding. And then Republica printed this article that uh, Starlink is coming to Italy. And Elon said, see. And then Elon <laughs> hired back Ligma and Johnson, even though he never fired them, even though they never were employees there. Important to admit when I'm wrong and firing them was truly one of my biggest mistakes. Just want to let you know, Ligma and Johnson was a joke. And uh, but that didn't stop the mainstream press from picking it up anyway, that it was unfair that they were fired, even though they never worked for the company. to begin Amazing with. that the mainstream media couldn't even fact check that simple fact. And so Elon is just dunking on them um, yep. with this tweet. It's really funny. Elon said, punting relaunch of Verified Blue to November 29th to make sure that it is rock solid. Then uh, he retweeted that the Tesla semi event is indeed going to be December 1st at Giga Nevada. And Tesla tweeted out Model S received the highest overall score from Euro NCAP among any vehicle tested under the current protocol. Elon said, Twitter is like open sourcing the news. And then he said, how do you make a small fortune in social media? Start out with a large one. And we just hit another all time high in Twitter usage. LOL. Let that sink in. Then a few fun memes. And more memes. What should Twitter do next? Freedom Fridays. And basically what he's referring to here is that Kathy Griffin, Jordan Peterson, and Babylon B have been reinstated. Trump decision has not been made yet. Elon said, new Twitter policy is freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach. Negative slash hate tweets will be max deboosted and demonetized. So no ads or other revenue to Twitter. You won't find the tweet unless you specifically seek it out, which is no different from rest of the Internet. Note, this applies to just the individual tweet, not the whole account. And then he showed uh, what they're thinking over there at the Twitter headquarters. There's their code review. And he said the Tesla FSD 10.69.3.1 is going to wide release this week. And this was the Twitter poll that uh, Elon put up, whether to reinstate former President Trump. He said the most entertaining outcome is the most likely my variant on Occam's razor. Trump poll is getting a million votes per hour. Fascinating to watch the Twitter Trump poll. And the final answer was... Yes, by 51.8%, 15 million votes. Fox Populi, Vox Day. The people have spoken. Trump will be reinstated. Twitter is alive. And uh, I didn't know this, but you can watch the World Cup on Twitter. Elon said the World Cup starts soon. Follow on Twitter for the best coverage by far. Uh, then some more memes. And that wraps it up uh, okay. for the week. Okay, so big 
big, but, but exciting. But I do want to point out, uh-huh. if you read the media, you think that Elon is insane or that he's deranged billionaire or whatever. If you read the tweets, you see that, no, you might not like everything he tweeted. You may not agree that Trump should be back on the platform, but it's not the same tone that the mass media tries to make it out. So that's why we bring you Elon's Sweets of the Week, so you can see what really is going on. Yeah. I think we'll talk a little bit more about it on Patreon Bonus Story if you want to hear like our actual opinions of it, um, but you don't have to right now. All right, it's time for Community Mail Time. And remember, send your stories, your photos, your videos to us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com so we can find out about them. So Frank spotted this Rivian Amazon van down in McKinney, Texas. Also noticed the lime green Tesla hiding behind the van. Phil saw this Aptera prototype driving around Carlsbad, California. And uh, I, I didn't know that you could take a car on the road looking like that. I, I know, thought, right? I felt bad when we were driving around our conversion car with like half of the stuff missing, um, like the hood and whatnot. But apparently you can. Um, well, I mean, they're manufacturers. They probably have a manufacturer that's plate. That's true. They get, that's, they're, they're important. Why don't we become manufacturers? That'd be cool. I don't want to. That sounds like a lot of work. Aptera is doing a great job. <laughs> Let them keep doing it. Our patron, Jacob of Long Island EV, sent us this story about his Ionic 5 test drive. He said, this past weekend, I test drove a Hyundai Ionic 5 SEL all-wheel drive here on Long Island, New York. I love the car. And the dealership was willing to give me a very favorable trade-in value on my current Honda Clarity PHEV. Only issue is I had forgotten until later that day that the car no longer qualifies for the FTC due to the IRA requirements for the final assembly in North America. Now I learned today about the AEVA, which is the Affordable Electric Vehicles Act, introduced in the Senate by Georgia Senator Warnock, which would modify the IRA to temporarily suspend the North America assembly requirement. So you can go check that out and see if you want to support it. Alan sent us these pictures of a Model S refresh service vehicle that he spotted in St. Labor, Quebec. Kevin sent us these pics of a Cybertruck being featured on an episode of The Simpsons. Francis spotted this mega pack and eight superchargers going to the Indio, California supercharger site. Oh, so they're like temporary? Uh, No, it's getting installed. It's getting installed. Oh, cool. With batteries. Patrick spotted these EVs around Prescott, Arizona. So we got a uh, Rivian Model S and a Model S. Yep. Fernando shared this cool electric bike that he saw in London last week. Oh, so that's like a laundry service? <laughs> I guess so. That's cool. Yeah. And Joe sent us a photo from the Costco parking lot in Tukwila, Washington. His nearly two-year-old white Model 3 is next to a new plaid Model S. Um, and it, here's a thing that I've noticed. Tesla's like to park next to each other. Yeah. And there's a good reason for that, actually. Yeah. Sentry mode. Oh. Multiple sentry mode cameras defending each other. That would be a cool new feature if you could get... Like multiple cameras of what well, that's happened. The, and, and you know that the person who just parked next to you is a nice person who exactly. would probably share their footage if you needed it. Yeah. All right, it's time for Supercharger Reviews. This is where you guys go out into the world and share what you found. And we've got Ellie from Ellie in Space doing this Supercharger Review for us. Hey, Zach and Jesse, it's Ellie in Space, and I am here in Orlando at the newest Supercharger. This is by the Florida Mall, and they actually had a grand opening this morning, November 13th. But as you can see behind me, we have Tesla's charging. I guess it's been functional for about three weeks now, and there are 16 stalls here, and the charging speed is 250 kilowatts. But take a look over here. This is interesting. The Tesla Supercharger is actually piggybacking off of the Electrify America's infrastructure. Now they've been here for about six months and as you can see there's a line of cars because they only have six stalls and their charging is 
slower. Another thing I want to point out about the supercharger in general, hey, it's right by a mall. Not only are there great places to eat, you can kill time by shopping, but there is also a Tesla showroom by the mall, and then there's a service center down the road. So we have close access to the highway here. We have a lot of opportunities if you're hungry and want to get a bite to eat, but I would give this supercharger hmm, probably an eight out of 10. All right, Zach and Jesse, now you know. Back to you. Hi, Zach and Jesse. I am at London, Kentucky Supercharger. We were just here four days ago and we had to wait 45 minutes for a charge because of these old V2s and two of the six did not work. And now we are here the following Thursday and we've got eight brand new V3s up and running. All pull-throughs, that's awesome. Great for trailers, great for my wife's Model Y. All straight pull-throughs. There's also lots of restaurants, a gas station. Buffalo Wings and Rings, McDonald's. Now that this is a V3, I would definitely rate it a eight out of 10. Now you know, bye. Hello, Zach and Jesse. I'm here in my Tesla Model 3. I've been sitting here less than 20 minutes. Not sure how easy it is to read, but I went from 26% to 80%, like I said, in less than 20 minutes. This is a 250 watt charger in Girard, Ohio. Um, it is an eight stall. There is a, another Tesla sitting here also, a little Model Y. We have a Burger King right there. Um, it is at a Shell gas station just behind it. Um, a sign over there in case you want to uh, remind yourself where you're at. You are right off Highway 80, which is absolutely amazing. Um, as you guys have said in the past, I like to start at about a five. I would say it's a six just because it's right off the highway. Um, the gas station is 24 hours, so you have a bathroom all of the time, which I think uh, is absolutely amazing. Maybe add a six and a half. Uh, other than that, uh, pretty awesome to have it here before. Um, the closest one to this location was in Pennsylvania. So, um, glad that they put this one in and it wasn't here six months ago whenever I was coming up here regularly. Thank you and now you know. Hey Zach and Jesse, this is Kevin from Illinois reporting on the newly opened eight stall V3 supercharger location in Janesville, Wisconsin. This supercharger location is right across from Woodman's Markets. Woodman's is open 24 hours a day, so plenty of time to get your shopping done while you charge your Tesla. Also, there are businesses in the general area behind me, but everything seems to be a bit of a hike. The location is easily accessible from the I-39, I-90, Wisconsin 11 corridor. For that reason alone, and Woodman's being open 24 hours, I rate this supercharger location an eight out of 10. Now you know. Hey guys, my name's Griffin, and I'm coming to you from Tuckwilla, Washington, where our brand new supercharger has opened. This is a 16 stall, 250 kilowatt charger, and in my opinion, it's one of the best I've ever seen. Let me tell you why. First of all, it's in front of a Starbucks, which is handy, and over yonder is a Target for all your shopping needs. But wait, there's more! 
In the same lot are several bakeries and restaurants, a Dollar Tree, fast food, beauty stores, salons, and a bank. Within a block, you can find a music store, a liquor store, a bookstore, REI, and so much more. The only downside to this supercharger is that almost everything closes by 8 or 9, and Target closes at 10 p.m., after which there are no open bathrooms. There's also an Electrify America on the other side of Starbucks for those with inferior electric cars. Just across the street is South Center Mall with a food court and over 130 stores. They also have a movie theater with 16 screens. I'd easily give this charger an 8 out of 10. All-night bathrooms, better visuals, and a park or playground for the pets and kitties are all that is missing to make this a perfect 10. Now you know. Thank you so much for doing Supercharger Reviews. Um, we have a whole map where you get to uh, check out all of the Supercharger Reviews in where they are in space. Yeah, I think we're the only place on Earth to do that. I'm so glad that we came up with that. We came up with that back in like 2016. Yeah, and it's just been growing ever since. So if you want to do your own reviews, you can check it out. It's over at nowyouknowchannel.com. All right. It's uh, another two-pager, so oh, getting, get your mouth give ready. Me a break. All right. Mm. So in mm. the past seven days, Tesla has opened supercharger locations, and here they are, and there's a lot of them. The three-stall in Guiyang at the Shanshan Outlets in China. The six-stall at Guiyang at the Yunshan Arc in China. The three-stall in Nanjing at the Greenland Window, China. The six-stall at Guangzhou at the Fashion Tanhe Commercial Plaza in China. The six-stall in Shanghai at the Wanli Carrefour in China. Number 33 in Arizona is the 12-stall in Phoenix on North 19th Ave. Number 15 in Alabama is the 12-stall in Evergreen, Alabama. Number 13 in Kansas is the 12-stall in Abilene. The six-stall in Pingyang at Intime City, China. Number 58 in Taiwan is the two-stall, it's only 150 kilowatts, at Pingtung at the Kenting Maya House in Taiwan. The eight-stall in Pitting, Germany. Number 160 in Canada is the eight-stall in Simcoe, Ontario. Number 24 in Wisconsin is the eight-stall in Minocqua. The three-stall, only 150 kilowatts, in Kenyan, in Time City, China. Number 1,472 in China is the 6th stall at Hangzhou at the Zhaoshan in Time Department Store, China. Number 37 in Washington is the 16th stall in Tequila at Strander Boulevard, Washington. Hey, we just heard about that one. Yeah. Number 36 in Georgia is the 16th stall at Ashburn, Georgia. Number 27 in Nevada is the 8th stall in Las Vegas on West Tropical Parkway. The 19th stall in Kirpen Sindorf, Germany. Number 149 in Germany is the 12th stall in Norden. The 16th stall in Los Angeles at West Olympic Boulevard, California. The 8th stall in Hallandale Beach, Florida. Number 40 in Massachusetts, the 8th stall in Lenox, Mass. We have 40 in our state? <laughs> really? Wow. Number 318 in California is the 8th stall in Barstow at East Virginia Way. And number 111 in Florida, 1,556 in the United States, and 4,421 in the world is the 12th stall at Daytona Beach Gateway Drive, Florida. Now, you know, when I went out to Oregon for my trip to Arkhamoto, uh, I checked and there was about 1,400 superchargers in the U.S. Mm -hmm. That was just a few months ago. Yep. Now there's over 1,556. Yep. It's just unbelievable how fast they're building them out and how few people in the world know what we're talking about. I, I just thought by now it would be such old news that we'd have to find new news to tell you about. But the sad thing is... I guess for six years, you can be screaming about something and most of the world doesn't have any clue what you're talking about. But the good news is that everyone who has their name over here knows what we're talking about. I think so. They help support this news show that we do every single week. We've done for every single week since we started. We didn't take any breaks. We haven't taken any breaks. We don't plan on taking any breaks. Um, and it really is only possible by Patreon support. Look, this show is for smart people. And if you haven't noticed, there aren't that many. 
many smart people in the world. I know. Which means that YouTube... We gotta stick together. <laughs> YouTube isn't really made for... I mean, it, look, it, you can have some smart content on YouTube, but uh, every week... Uh, what's going on in the news, that kind of stuff. YouTube just isn't that interested in monetizing that heavily. They want millions of views. They don't want just tens of thousands of views. But look, I like smart people. You're, you're one of them. You mm -hmm. watched this entire episode. You're, yeah. You rock. And look, the only way that it really works is if the smart people, and luckily smart people are smart, um, help support this show. Yeah. I really think that it's it's a great little system that we've come up with with Patreon. Um, we try and give you lots of cool perks. In fact, I mean, we have a lot of Patreon bonus stories. That's bonus content yeah, you can go watch every week. We're about to go record another hour of content over on Patreon that's just for you. So for a buck a month, that's nothing. I know. Head on over there. Check it out. If you don't like it, you stop. Yeah, exactly. And, and thank you again so much for watching. Um, hit the like button. All of this makes a difference. But yeah, even at $1 a month support, it's, it's like you were like 300 people watching this video. Exactly. It's so impactful and important. So thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Now you know. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.